and welcome to the Clone Star Podcast. I'm your host, Show Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Sean Ferrick. Each week, we will pick five of our favourite episodes from each Star Trek season. So come join us, beam aboard, and let's fly. Hi all, welcome back to the Clone Star Podcast. I'm your host, Show Hurley. And I am your co-host, Sean Ferrick. Now, this week, we were supposed to be discussing Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1, which we all but know. But we is- hate it. Uh, uh, sorry, Sean. <laughs> I was trying to say it's the greatest season in all of Star Trek, but you kind of beat me to it there by saying it's actually the worst. Um, so we decided to do a bit of a change because we kind of noticed over the Christmas period, there seems to be a bit of negativity online around Star Trek. Um, it's quite depressingly so, in fact, Sean. Would that be right? I think it's true. I think Christmas can be such a triggering period for so many people. And I think hmm. that uh, for, for for better or worse, um, Star Trek can take on a huge part of people's lives. Hey, I'm not judging. What are we literally here to talk about? Hmm. So, and I think as well, there's so much passion, so much passion goes into how people speak about particular elements of the franchise and what came up again was this this perceived notion that star trek finished in 2005 you know there was you know once Mm. berman left the show that was it that was the the end of the franchise the end of the franchise and there was a lot of discussion around that there there often is this is a cyclical thing and that's fine everybody absolutely everybody entitled their opinion now what seemed to happen and possibly because of the time of year that it was is that the everybody's entitled to their opinion part of the sentence seemed to be forgotten yep and people got it seemed that people got quite upset really when mm. talking about it and you know you can't you can't really just turn around when you're in the middle of an argument and go you're really just a tv show right because that makes you the kind of the arse so you're just like well hang on i'm not yes. going to talk down right. yeah you know your your passion here because we're coming at it from different directions and also if someone says that to me about the visitor i will be very unhappy <laughs> i think as well what's happened in recent years is that you know like we, we don't seem to be able to respect each other's opinions like in terms of some might say i really like this and you mightn't like it but instead of just saying i'm not I, like i'm not mad about it you like it and that's cool it almost seems to be if somebody says i like it and someone doesn't they have to railroad them and kind of attack them for like it. And I don't, I just don't get that. I don't understand why there's a need to do it. And I did see a good bit of it in the discourse, the discord, sorry, over on Twitter over the Christmas period. It was really depressing because like, you know, people just want to express their love of fandom, their love of Star Trek. And like, we're all Star Trek fans. Like there are certain, there are certain things I saw people say, oh, I love this. And they're going, well, I don't. But I didn't feel a need to tweet them and go, you know, how dare, like what kind of sense of satisfaction would it give you to, you know, say that to someone on Twitter and make that person feel like they can't embrace something they love in their own life and you know put check their phone and then kind of say oh god I can't like that because someone else doesn't like it you know what I mean it's 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 just it's it's so kind of myopic and kind of closed-minded we I think we're on we're very much on the same page there that we I I, I will always host an open forum and just come in in good faith Come in yeah. with, I might hate, 
hate the you know x episode x season whatever i mm. might think but not necessarily i must find something nice to say about it yep. but i respect that you might have something nice to say about it yeah exactly yeah because i my personal tastes and likes are not necessarily the same as your personal tastes and likes that i am not right you are not wrong we're just different yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then that's what Star Trek has always been built on the differences, like, and exactly, exactly. And we don't want to kind of let kind of that take over, like. So what we decided to do in this week's podcast was just we decided it wasn't going to be five of anything. We just decided we're going to go through things in Star Trek that we enjoy, that make us smile, that we you know kind of want to kind of just share with you as well. You might like the list, maybe you won't like the list. Maybe there's things here that you kind of. Remember, don't remember having the experience before and things like that. But we said that'd be a kind of a good place to kind of, you know, kick off today's episode with Sean. Would you agree with that? I, I think it's good. I just think now, spoiler alert, this could get saccharine. This could get sweet. This could be a bit like I actually am feeling quite diabetic listening to this episode. So you have been warned, but this is a good feeling <laughs> nice episode it'll just be and like that i think when we were talking just in preparation for this you were like we may not spend 20 minutes discussing a scene it's just like this may be smile this may be yeah, smile. so there might exactly. be a lot of that yeah. so uh yeah. oh yeah so you exactly. have because but that's the beauty with Sergeant is that you can just there can be just a, a moment a second a look a word a phrase and it makes you smile and like that's all it needs to be like it doesn't need to be you know everything the whole episode the whole movie whatever it can be the smallest thing in the whole wide world that make us smile. So, Sean, with that in mind, name me one of your picks that you have for this. Well, one bit that never fails to make me just feel warm. Uh, it's a great uh, quote from a book, uh, like a balloon was rising inside you. Um, and it's the scene in Star Trek Nemesis where Data fires the phaser. And I've always enjoyed <laughs> your face. Shows what? up your face. <laughs> <laughs> Circle, wait a second. You know what? <laughs> In the most depressing of all Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> what sorry. celebrity did I miss out on? <laughs> You're like, ah, what? Um, no, for me, no, uh, this sorry, is hang hard. on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, oh, I, yeah? I'm totally go I'm going to interrupt you now. Because you brought up Nemesis, I am going to bring up a scene I actually do enjoy, and it actually is funny, and I like it. It's when they go to the planet, um, Kalaran 3, I think it is, and Picard is going uh, to lead the way team down there. And then, you know, Riker says, we've had this conversation before and all that. And then Picard says, you know, I, you know, basically your wife would kill me if uh, you were to get anything happen on the away on the away mission. And then Picard gets into the turbo lift and says, you have the bridge, Mr. Troy. And I love it. And there's these small little laughs. And I'm just there going, oh, that's actually pretty cool. The rest of the movie, meanwhile, maybe not. But I do enjoy that scene. Sorry, now I've completely hijacked it. But you brought up Nemesis. So that's your fault. I like that. I like that. No, no, no. Yeah. I like that. Um, uh, okay, it's, so right, it's I don't actually like it's, it's 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 very subtle. Like, I don't actually have a moment from Nemesis. I wish I did. Now. <laughs> um, but one, that, okay, so I'm going to stick with the movies though, and this is not going to be a shock to anyone who knows me or anyone yes. who's seen a certain piece of art on my wall. Oh yes. So if you just want to get a smile out of it, you want to get me to shut up for eight minutes, stick on the reveal of the new Enterprise in the motion picture. That is ah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I. It's a largely silent, I mean, music, obviously, there was a largely silent scene and it's just what you're looking at is one boy seeing his new toy. That's what this scene is. And I love it. 
I think as well, the impact, how to put it, the impact is kind of lost on us for, of this generation because we've grown up with, you know, really good models, effects and all that kind of thing. But if you were a Star Trek fan from the 1960s, having watched the original series into the animated series, and then you went along and you saw, like, it didn't look like, a, you know, a model that was on a piece of string, like, this looked like a seriously massive starship on the big screen for the first time. Like it's it's like I've I watched the motion picture recently, and I was kind of there going, "Oh, yeah, this is great scene, all that." I'm I was I remember just thinking to myself, "I'd love to have seen this, like for the first time in 1979, being a fan all the way through." Yeah. Oh, I I I agree. I I won't spend too much time on this just because I have so many thoughts I want to get to today. But just I think you you phrased it perfectly there. Just that idea of. I wonder, I wonder if there was anyone, and I'd love anyone listening to this right now who was there in 1979 to let us know if they felt that. Was there a moment of, they're taking us seriously now. Mm. They've given us the budget. They've given us the time. I mean, you're going to make a motion picture. Time is invested in that. And they've given us the faith that it's not just ourselves watching at home. There is a global community. And I get that. In yeah. 2022, I get that watching the dry dock scene in the motion picture. And just to kind of go with that then as well, like one of my favorite scenes comes in the very next movie, which uses the exact same visual image. It really does. Thing, it's, it's literally because obviously they were working on TV budget for The Wrath of Khan. But what's brilliant is, is that the visuals are the same. But the music is different and it's totally because like the first, you know, the motion picture is wonderfully kind of it's it's magical. It's kind of intrigue. It's you know, kind of, oh, my God, it's so cool. And the second one, then it's very the music that um, James Horner does. It's very kind of much like we're up for the adventure. We're about to take off here. And it's so cool like because it's the exact same. But the emotion is different and it's still wonderful in both in, in both ways. I well, first of all, I completely agree with you. Um, and I know we have joked before where I've been like, Wrath of Khan, just robbing the scenes. <laughs> and it is. But what it is, it's a really, it's a really well done reuse. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it just, it, it shows the power of music in this scene because it, there's no sense of kind of a feeling of repetition. I don't find anyway, like I very much feel I'm watching two different scenes, despite the fact that the visuals are the same. But the emotion with the music is completely different in both of them, like which is great. Um, right, you go again, Sean, because I you went Star Trek one, I went Star Trek two. I I love it. I love it. Oh, do you know what? Okay, Grant, sorry, just that we're on a theme. Star Trek three, stealing the Enterprise. Is there? Oh my God, just the feelings of fun, of joy, and also just the, to be honest, the sexy, sexy arse shot of the Enterprise reversing back out of space dock. I mean, like, don't know what this says about me, but that to me is porn. All right. Like, <laughs> and also, and like, you know, I, it, I, I'm not all about trading up to new bottles, but the fact that I can see the Excelsior in the background, that is quite pleasant for me as well. I'm just going to say. I love as well the fact that like, no matter how many times you watch it, as Enterprise gets close to space doors, I still feel the absolute excitement of going jesus christ will the doors open or not like and when the music just keeps on building the tension is absolutely through the roof and i love it you know it's kind of got the camera on sulu as you hear the kind of the activation sound from the computer indicate the doors are about to open and it's brilliant it's just it's 
It's it's it's it's incredible. It's an absolutely brilliant scene. The music is like we we discussed this before in a Star Trek tree review as well. In terms of like it's eight minutes and it's based just a ship reversing, and it's one of the most tense and incredible moments right. you'll ever get. Right. Oh, just and and also I I, I can't do it here because this is an audio medium, but the face that James Dewan makes just yes. as they're are we going to clear the doors or not? You really feel that he's like Scotty's Scotty is not sure this is going to work. And if Scotty's not sure, lads, you should all be holding on to something. Doesn't he kind of bow his head kind of down when the door, when the Enterprise gets out of the door as well? That's, like, that's brilliant. Like, it's just, it's so good. It's so subtle. And it makes such a kind of a difference. As we're on Star Trek 3, I'm, I'd be, it'd be crying if we just left out the ending as well. I think the ending conversation between Kirk and Spock is absolutely brilliant because, you know, it, Spock, I, I love the fact that like Kirk is just standing there. He's lost his ship, his son, his entire career for this man. He just looks knackered completely. He, and it's brilliant because that's what I love about movies when the hero at the end looks drained from the experience they've gone yeah. through. And he talks to Spock. And when Spock finally gets his name right, and, he, and Kirk smiles. And they're going, Jesus Christ, it was all worth it. And this is brilliant. That's it. There was, I've always thought there, there is a kind of a tiny bit of sad comedy in the scene what the comedy is, is like it's it the family's back together again this is mm. lovely and it is quite rightfully a wonderful upbeat moment yes. and there is a moment of you can see it in kirk's face it was all worth it it was yes. all worth it as the atoms of my son have been blown <laughs> off into the mutara sector somewhere it's grand i got my drinking buddy back Spock is back. It's fine. It was worth the destruction of my ship, the killing of the Klingon crew, potentially declaring interstellar war, my son dying, my career in Japan. But Spock is here. <laughs> all, all right, now Spock, logic that. <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, look, as we're on it, you, you, we have to discuss Star Trek Four as well. An absolute yes. riot of a movie. It's absolutely ridiculous. The best scene for me in the whole movie is the end when the whales have been released from the Klingon ship and just kind of the way the, you know, the thunderstorm overhead kind of clears off and it's just the all at the, you know, on the edge of the bird of prey and they're all happy out. It's just, it's brilliant. It's, it's just, it's so, so full of joy. Captain Spock, you do not sound accused. I stand with my shipmates. <laughs> of course you do, you little Vulcan legend. Um, <laughs> But my favorite, actually, funny enough, my favorite moment, if you like, maybe not scene, my favorite scene is the reveal of the Enterprise A. Love yes. it. It's just pure, pure. My favorite moment is, and if you, I assume if you're listening to this, you've seen the film. The doctor gave me a pill and I, I grew a new kidney. The doctor gave me a pill and I grew a new kidney. I love that woman. I love that scene. Dialysis. What is this? The Dark Ages? That's absolutely. I, I also there's there's a, a funny part. Just is it is it just before that or is it just after that when they run through the corridor and there's a guy in a pair of crutches and they knock him over, and, and Bones goes to help to him, check. and then Kirk is there going Bones, we don't have time. It's just a small little voiceover from Kirk that you that you hear very closely, and it's absolutely hilarious. Oh, oh god what a movie that is if you're ever in a bad mood Star Trek 4 is the easiest thing to turn on and just watch because it's it's right. absolutely it's, it's it's off the charts in terms of how bloody good it is it was such a um it was such a gamble like if you think about it like we'd mm. gone through one which is pure love it or hate it one is pure science fiction right yeah then you have Rathacan which is an action film set in space 
Then you have Search for Spock, which is an action film. It's a little bit more content. Con- I- Oh, what's the word? Thank you. I can't do it. It's the one <laughs> word that fails me. And then you've got Voyage Home, which is all right, comedy. Comedy, the one with the whales. A comedy with no bad guy. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, oh my god, who's the bad guy? Oh, it's the can of Pringles. It's, it's it really is bananas, isn't it, to have you know a, a, a movie like that to end a trilogy that has no bad guys and is just an outright comedy. I said it's it's almost like watching um what was it uh, Avengers Endgame after watching Infinity War, the, just the tonal oh, yeah. difference between the two because like I remember going into Endgame and just kind of assuming oh it'll be this and it'll be that and it was none of it. It was, it was a time travel comedy again. I said what the hell? I said this is really weird, but it worked and just like yeah. it worked in kind of Star Trek Four's uh, kind of point of view. I have two more scenes from movies. Do you have anything else in the movies on your side? I just that we're on a theme. I'll I tell you what, let me blast through the last because I'll, I'll just do them scene by scene, right? I, I won't spend too long. Five campfire scene. Love it. Have to say oh, yeah. Yeah. whatever else about five, the campfire scenes, both bookending it are brilliant. Um <laughs> six. Um, if I were human, I believe my response would be go to hell if I were human. I do very much enjoy the signing of the names at the at the end of it, and I know that's a bit of a kind of, you know, I, I think that's I think it's brilliant. I, I I think it's I I don't think there's any other thing out there that could get away with doing that mm. outside of the original Star Trek crew, like because well, it was Avengers Endgame gave it a go. And <laughs> even first, they did say no, no, we got this from Star Trek Six. <laughs> uh, um, what do we got? Genera- there's a lot in generations. I don't love emotional data the way the rest of the world does. Just going to throw that out there. But yes. I do like the Tuesday banter. You know. The, the what? The oh, Tuesday sorry. Banter. Yes, yes, yes. yes, like, yes, you know, yes kind yes, of. Yes. Um, the medical staff. Oh, no, because... Uh, tr- uh, no, what is it? Fault torpedo. Uh, we don't have any fault torpedoes. Don't tell me. Tuesday. And it's, just, it's, it's the way Alan Rook just plays that moment of, I, I have nothing to say. Yeah, it's just, uh, I have nothing going on here, buddy. It's all over. <laughs> um, and then uh, first contact uplifting uh, Picard and Lily right at the... But first contact is just pure joy. That whole scene at the end. It's just like, we did it. We got there. Humanity has a chance. And a lot of insurrection. I don't like the hate I, insurrection gets... No, sorry, I'll actually, stop talking. No, no, I'm just going to backtrack the first contact because I, I have one scene that... Look, I'm going to re- reveal an extremely nerdy thing I used to do when I was younger. So um, when I was younger, I used to go on to Killarney in County Kerry in Ireland a lot. That my is brother, pretty nerdy, man. It totally was. <laughs> my brother used to go back up home to Limerick with my dad because my dad had to correct papers over the summer, but he'd be allowed to rent a movie, right? And we ramble or Robocop, whatever it was. What my brother would do is he used to tape certain scenes from it. And he'd bring it down into Clarny and he'd kind of tell us the story of the movie. And then he'd press play on the tape, we listen, all that kind of thing. So what I used to do is on the trips up and down to Kerry years later, what I used to do is I used to put on an episode of Star Trek. I used to put the tape recorder up. I'd record certain scenes. So I, at the end, then I'd have a tape full of just scenes of Star Trek that I really liked. And Just quick, what is the statute of limitations on copyright infringement? Just if CBS is listening to this. <laughs> The, the tapes are burnt. There's no more. <laughs> no, one of the things I really loved about First Contact is just when they've decided to evacuate the Enterprise and Picard is talking to Lily and he's giving her the orders to give to Commander Riker or whoever. And she says, you know, you're not leaving. And the way the music just changes 
And Picard says, you know, when I was held captive on the Borg ship, you know, my crew risked everything to save me. And he said, there is someone still on the ship and I owe him the same. I thought that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Because again, it brings back the whole kind of thing of, you know, togetherness, friendship, camaraderie, service and things like that. And that Picard would be willing to just, you know, go into the lion's den to try and rescue one man. And it is, it's, it's the next generation's Kirk and Spock. I think yes. it's their take on Wrath of Khan. It's that, yeah. you know, the needs of the one outweigh. Um, it's obviously, it's done differently. It's not a straight remake. Cough, Star Trek into darkness. Cough, 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 cough. Um, but show, if you like that, you're not wrong for liking it. My no. opinions and your opinions are allowed to be different. Um, insurrection, I think... Someone's been actually putting it on Twitter all day in the last two days, and they were putting it about the scene when Jordy Jordy's gets eyes. To, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Like that was that was a beautiful scene, and it didn't need to be in the movie. It didn't add anything to the movie. Do you know but what it was I think? lovely to see. I, yeah. You're you're so right, and I think it's because Jordy's been there since Encounter at Farpoint. That was yeah. for Jordy fans, as as much as it was for Lavar Burton, and like this is why. I realize Jonathan Frakes didn't write the film, but you know, when it was fans making the film gave these kind of scenes. And if you think going into Nemesis, and I have lots of nice things to say about Nemesis, unbelievably, but you start to lose those scenes. Yes, correct. Exactly. Oh, uh, sorry. And then Nemesis. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, well, you said the one about Mr. Troy. That was great. Um, I did like the wedding. I have to say, I thought the wedding is, it's, it's just its just a nice enclosed scene, even with the deleted scene with Lieutenant Junior Grade Wesley Crusher. I liked in Nemesis well when they're escaping the scimitar and Picard and Data are in the ship and Picard is trying to get control of it and Data says to him over his shoulder, do you want me to drive? And then just Picard kind of just gives him a bit of a side eye. Yeah. I love that subtle humour, as you know. I think it's bloody brilliant. And it's just, again, it's so simple. It's so effective. It's in and out. Joke is done. It's perfect. There's no change in music or anything like that. It's lovely. That actually brings me on to my next one, which would be from the very next movie, which is Star Trek 09. Um, when they are on the shuttle to destroy Nero's platform and Kirk is uh, talking to engineer Olsen who's a complete nut job but he turns to Sulu and he says what kind of combat training do you have and Sulu just says fencing and because Sulu knows he can kick someone's ass no hassle Kirk doesn't know that and Kirk just kind of it, there's a it, Kirk's just expression just kind of stays with him as if to say what the hell I've got a lunatic on this side and a guy who can only use fence on this side like it's brilliant it's so well done and again I love the fact, again, they just stick on his face for long enough, not too long, to make it bloody weird. It's very funny. It's very well done how they throw that in. I know. I totally, I love, I was, I went to see Star Trek 9 with my dad and uh, dad's been a fan since, you know, you know, Pike was captaining the Enterprise. So he, you know, and, and I'm a complete and utter Trek psychopath. So, you know, with the pair of us, <laughs> we got the references. So engineer also was wearing a very distinctive color, um, which I thought was hilarious. It was like, and, and also, I mean, like they, they nearly winked at the camera when they said, okay, we're going to bring Sulu and Engineer Olsen. Oh, yes, the incredibly important character who is Engineer. Oh, yes, yes, I know him well. Um, and uh, you're ready to kick some Romulan arse. I'm just like, you're already dead. The fact that you're still speaking is absolutely mind-boggling. 
it's so it's so ludicrous, isn't it? Like to kick some like, rum in an arse. Like good I, lord, I love man. it. I love What's it. Going on here? And, and again, now Star Trek 09 itself is. You can be cynical and say, oh, well, listen, we needed to reboot a franchise. No, no, put that aside. Everything in Star Trek 09 is in some way or another a nod. It's really clever. I think, sorry, my two cents. I think 09 is very clever in how it balances all of the nods to the original series with bringing a new story in. Mm. Uh, it does it better, obviously, than in Darkness. And Beyond did less nods. And they went more for a new story, I felt. So I think yeah. 09 walks the tightrope, and I think it does it very, very well. I think as well, one of the scenes I bloody love in uh, Star Trek 09 is when um, it's it's done so fast as well. It's from the moment of when they leave um, Earth on the, on the shuttle and they go to the Enterprise for the first time. And just the whole way along, the speed of the shuttle coming onto the Enterprise, then you follow Spock up to the bridge. Then Captain Pike is there, and then Enterprise, you know, turns, you know, leaves space dock with the other ships. And I love when all the ships go to warp. I love the warp effect that they have as well, the kind of the punch sound that comes from it. And then, you know, when Enterprise doesn't go to warp, and you kind of think that it's um, it's not going to work for them. And then I love the fact that, you know, it's just the angle of the bridge kind of just expands out. It's brilliant. It's such a very, very good scene. And if you have the soundtrack, it's the, st- the title of the song is Enterprising Young Men. It's excellent. It's absolutely brilliant. I was at, um because we've talked about this before, we've both been lucky enough that we've gone to see concerts where they've played tunes from the various Trek movies from sci-fi. And I went to see one, the one I've, the one I've talked about the most, where they had um, Jerry Goldsmith music, like almost exclusively in act one. It was amazing. Uh, it was kind of kind of caught up. I watched, uh, the, so it was all the end credit suites of Motion Picture, Final Frontier, First Contact, Insurrection, maybe not Insurrection, but definitely Nemesis, right? Yeah. All of them. And I thought, oh my God, I am like a kid in a candy store. This is amazing. This is amazing. And they did, I think they did a bunch of John Williams. It was also iPhone, but they did a bunch of John Williams in the second act. And that was fantastic. And they were just like, Grant. And as they always do, would you like one more? And we were all just like, mm, yes, sir. Yes, we would. And he was like, Grant. I remember in the cinema going, that's not the Star Trek theme. I don't like that. I'm a big silly person and blah, 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 blah. I, about seven years ago, right? Pick a number out of the hat. I got my first ever surround sound. Guess what piece of music I tested my surround sound on. And I'm pretty sure those neighbors still hate me. Actually, hang on a second. That's interesting, right? So when you got your sound sound, you played that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on to my next choice, and it kind of plays into that, right? Whenever I buy a new piece of technology, new phone, tablet, TV, whatever, I always put on the same thing, and I just test the volume with it. And it's also one of my favorite scenes in Star Trek overall. And it is from the start of the second season of The Next Generation. It is from The Child. The oh, okay. Very- opening of it because it's this wonderful shot of the enterprise coming along and there's an excelsior class starship uh with us i'm gonna the fearless i can't remember it's the ship any that dropped dr pulaski off i can't actually remember but oh, it's, um... sorry yes the repulse Why do I um <laughs> and it's just it just the music is brilliant i remember listening to or reading an interview with dennis mccarthy the composer at the time and he basically said they wanted to write a kind of celebration music and they were told, no, you can't. 
but they wrote this instead and like it is used throughout uh, season two of the next generation but it's bloody brilliant it's absolutely excellent it's just the way it kind of you know it shows then like the bridge and you see Worf in his new security outfit you see Riker with the beard and all that it's just excellent it's only about 30-40 seconds it's absolutely for me it's complete unbridled joy it's brilliant I absolutely love it um, I haven't watched The Child in years I'll be honest I have not watched So I tell you what I know we you have don't need episode to, you, Coming up on um, Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 So uh, I wonder Do, I wonder You don't need to watch the episode Just watch the start of the episode Right Until the music stops It's brilliant It's absolutely brilliant now, you have to give me another one now because I completely hijacked about two or three there in one go. Um, right, I think we've, do, we've done, uh, just really, really quick, uh, we've talked about 09 Into Darkness, uh, Kirk's pledge at the end uh, was really good. Uh, the Space, The Final Frontier, I really enjoyed that. And um, then in Beyond, well, a lot of Beyond, I have a lot of love for Beyond. Um, the reveal of the Enterprise A, the deliberate editing choice of the toast in the final scene when Kirk says, I'm not sure if he says the word to absent friends, but it's basically that's the theme. Yeah. And it centers on Anton Yelchin because of course he had mm. passed away at that point. Um and yeah, so anyway, love that. So that's right, that's the movies. Okay. Original series. Um, I was just kind of I I kind of didn't do it in the turn of the series. I just literally wrote, just sat down and just thought about it and wrote wrote out random kind of ones. <laughs> I mean, like, you're, you're, I suppose actually well then all right. Okay. Okay. Right. I'm going to change the game show. I'm going to change the game. Yes. 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 yes All right. From your choice of list. From your choice of list. Whatever. Uh, Picard. Give me one. One scene from Picard. The series. Yep. Oh God. I think I told you when I texted you during the week. I absolutely have nothing really beyond the DS Voyager. That's that's basically where I. I mine is mainly the Next Generation DS9 Voyager. <laughs> Joseph. Elizabeth Hurley. What this is, is... Why, this is why I said we weren't going to kind of do it in the kind of structured way it was literally going to be. Let's just pick what we enjoy and just call it out. This was the least structured episode we were ever going to have. Um, well, that's true. Um, but right, so I'm going to hijack your question. Uh, Nepenthe, the whole episode. Nepenthe, Riker and Troy and Picard getting back together again. The whole yeah, episode was wonderful. It was lovely to see kind of, you know, and I, I like the fact that, you know, it was, instead of just being straightforward, them still being in Starfleet, that it had them kind of having left and living somewhere else and their lives were all different and things like that. It was great to kind of see that. Yeah. And there's actually, there's what I know, I think it's in the following episode. I don't think it's in this one. Um, Elnor summons the Fenris Rangers and Seven beams into the artifact and goes, basically... Supra and Elnor just jumps on her and gives her the biggest hug because he's so happy to see her. And that's just like, I didn't realize how much I needed to see that. That's really lovely. <laughs> so there's 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 two things right now. And also, actually, um it's not the most amazing scene in the world, but for the gravity behind us, data and Picard in the finale. Yeah, I thought that was handled quite well, actually. When, like, are you saying when Data's kind of lying on the couch at the end of it kind of thing, is this? Well, everything, literally from their yeah. conversation in the armchairs right up to that. And uh, Issa Briones singing Blue Skies, just mm. outstanding. Because up until that point, I hadn't realised that she was 
a tremendously talented singer um and she's incredible i think as well the, at this the, the pilot episode of picard as well like kind of you know having not seen the character for so long i remember turning it on for the first time and just seeing the enterprise d in like seeing it in a way i hadn't seen it before as they're going oh my god this is so bloody cool like another massive big screen tv high definition as they're oh my god this is this is just out of this world then seeing the recreation of 10 forward seeing data and picard's in there you're going oh my god this is this is just wonderful um now i just kind of want to watch those scenes again <laughs> now you've uh, hijacked it with your uh, I absolutely card have. there so yeah. i'm going to randomly jump in with let me see my list here i'm going to pick a very small tiny scene that lasts all of about two seconds and I bloody love it. TNG, The Cost of Living. Sometimes the old episode names might kind of escape you. But TNG, The Cost of Living is... No, that is the quality of life. Cost of Living. Oh, Cost of Living is uh, Troy in the Mudbath. Yes, exactly. Yes. The very, very end of it. In the Mudbath. It's all fine and all that. And they're all talking about, you know, you have to have fun, you have to enjoy yourself and all that. And you see Loxana in the mud bath, you see Deanna in the mud bath, you see Alexander in the mud bath. And then suddenly the music changes to Klingon music and there's Worf in the mud bath. And it's just, you just kind of hear a grunt out of him. And as the camera's kind of getting closer, he just looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> he just narrows his eyes so and goes, supposed to. sit here. <laughs> brilliant it's so simple it's just a great way to end the episode and then just the, you know the next generation music kicks in again the enterprise at warp absolutely hilarious right that's sorry that's a great one that's a really great one and i mm. think a lot of i think luoxana troy overall gets a bit of a harsher rep than she deserves because there's a lot of really nice moments around her oh there is yeah there's loads of them like yeah i just yeah. i think with the benefit of time like the episodes aren't as annoying as it might have been say when you would watch your first time out and things like that mm. Mm. okay well I, I picked like three in a row so give us give us two more there <laughs> um again very small scene i'm going to pick voyager the swarm i was really kind of surprised by this actually because i didn't like i i enjoy this little scene here and on your Twitter during the week, when you put up about kind of positivity and all that, someone actually mentioned this one. And I was really surprised that someone else would have picked up on it. Because in the swarm, the doctor's kind of, you know, his memory is kind of going and there's issues with his program and things like that. And they have to do kind of a re reboot of him. And they think that he's going to lose all his memory and things like that. But in the episode, he's been listening to a certain opera. And the very end of the episode is um, he's kind of just checking Balana to make sure she's okay. And he walks back into his office. When he walks into his office, Balana and Kess are looking at each other as if to say, well, bollocks, like he's lost all the memory. He's just gone back to being an automaton. And then you just hear him humming the music that he actually was enjoying earlier oh, in the episode. And it's absolutely, it's again, pure subtle. Because then Kess and Balana just share kind of a smile. And he's just kind of, he, you know, he's just doing it unbeknownst to him, but it just shows the memory is still there. It's so heartwarming. It's, it's, just, it's just, it's a lovely, short, very quick scene. That is beautiful. I, I tell you, because I, I haven't seen The Swarm now a long time since I've seen The Swarm. Mm. So, but describing it, yeah, I can see it there in my head. And the two of them just like, oh, okay, it's all right. And then as often happens in Star Trek, the very next week, we never <laughs> speak of it again. <laughs> 
<laughs> we Lindsay bollard him. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring up one more now. Um, that like, look, the entire episode is flipping, uh, is out of this world, outrageously enjoyable, wonderful, funny, and it is DS9's Trials and Tribulations. But the oh, part yeah. I'm going to specifically call out, and this is one of the ones where doing behind the scenes research really adds to it, is when Cisco and Dax get off the turbo lift and walk into the corridor for the first time, apparently from what I was reading about it, that the two of them were intentionally kept away from the set. So when the door opens, that is the first time they actually see the set and everyone walking on it. And apparently, both of them were kind of really staggered by how well it, you know, it looked exactly like the show. And it was so full of people. Because you can see it because they kind of walk out the door and then they just kind of stop. And their look of wonder and amazement is actually real because of the fact that, you know, they were kept away from it. And this is the first time you see that. I just, when I read that, it added so much to the scene. And like the scene alone was heartwarming. But to see it like that and, you know, having read the behind the scenes of, it's just brilliant. Uh, like if we could give retroactive awards for just thanks Star Trek <laughs> Trials and Tribulations would have to be up there um, and yeah because it's just it's just nice and it's low stakes I mean yeah there's a bomb but no one ever thinks for a second the bomb is going to do it like, it's about celebrating Star Trek and that's all it's about and it's wonderful and it's fun and it just makes me smile and then Odo shows the triple to Worf and Worf's like it is a triple they are Klingons, <laughs> and we do not speak of it. I love the fact that as well that when Odo shows Worf the triple, again, the music just changes, and it changes into this deep, depressing Klingon music, as if Worf is going to just pick up the triple and just rip it <laughs> straight away. Um, I was, I was actually chatting. This, this is an interesting. Thing. So, um, Heath, if you're listening, we, we we spoke about this before, that the music in Trials and Tribulations is not the music from. The trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. And that is because Dennis McCarthy did go, brilliant. Let's let's use the music from that. It's gonna be grand, it's gonna be cool. Horrendous rights issues, even though it was all Star Trek, even though it was no, nope, couldn't do it, couldn't possibly do it. It's like, oh, all right. So he wrote something as close as possible to it, but it had to be different. So because I thought it was quite odd as well. It's like, hang on, it's all one happy Star Trek. No, can you not just lift one from one scene? No, apparently there was a big rights issue and they couldn't possibly do that. Cheapers. I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't have gone for any of the music in the original series. It's 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 it'd be too kind of jokey for the for for trials and tribulations. Mm. I really like the music from trials and tribulations. Actually, I do. No, I I really I think they did a great job. I really do think they did a great job. Um, was it Dennis? Really? Was it Jay Chatway? I'm going to say Dennis McCarthy, but I might be totally wrong now that I've said that. Mm. Um, tis one of the two. <clears throat> I've gone for three in a row now, Sean. So back to you. Uh, God, narrowing them down. Uh, let's go with... Ah. Show? I must protest. I am not a merry man. <laughs> I'm surprised I left that out, actually. Cupid oh, is such a good episode. There's so much fun in it. Like. And would you believe I was embarrassingly old before I understood Cupid? embarrassingly like it's kind of i am right to be shamed that you know q is here to play the role of cupid between picard and vash i was 
possibly in my 20s when I got the play on the name. I didn't realise for years there was actually a brilliant Animal House reference in the episode as well. You've seen Animal House, have you? I am aware of it. Oh my God, you have to watch it. Animal House is brilliant. It's okay. absolutely hilarious. You know when, when uh, Jordy is playing the lute? Yes. And Worf comes over and just takes it off him and just smashes it, <laughs> just gives it back to him. <laughs> Sorry. That's from a movie called Animal House, uh, James Belushi. Or, yeah, James. Yeah, it is James Belushi, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the Belushi's. James and James. I can't remember. Whichever one died say, first. Yes. Yeah, that's a John good question, Belushi. actually. John Belushi. That's, no, it's John yes. Belushi. I think I this could. While I Google, continue your point. Yes, but that's basically it. He's uh, he's at a house party and a guy is playing a guitar and impressing all the ladies. And he just picks up the guitar and wallops it off the wall and then gives it back to him. It's the exact same scene. It's hilarious. Um, I didn't realize there was that there was such a movie out there, but yeah. So, but look, and Cupid is excellent. It's just it's so kind of fun to take them out of the enterprise and just make it all effectively just completely silly. I agree, uh, John Belushi. But yes, totally. It's yes. just such a, a silly, fun one. Uh, not good on Star Trek representation of, you know, listening to their cast members. Beverly Crusher, or, sorry, uh, Gates McFadden Beverly, and Beverly. Maria Sirtis were the only two with actual swordplay training, and they're the only ones who don't get to use their swords in the episode. Oh, God, really? Because oh, women. No. Yes. Yeah. Right. Sorry, I just, just needed to add a cloud to that silver lining there. Yeah. Um, Thanks now, for that. What's, <laughs> what's, what's your show? What's your next one? Uh, again, I'm going to pick a very quick scene, uh, a short one. The end of Tapestry uh, from The <gasps> Next Generation. Sorry, I, sorry I, I gasped in love. I gasped oh, in yeah. pure love there. Tapestry is one of my favourite episodes. Yes, the, like the end when Picard, you know, it says to Q that he'd rather die the man he was than live the life he'd just seen. And then the start of the fight is brilliant because, you know, the kind of camera pulls in on Q's face and then it pulls back on it's Picard standing there getting ready for the fight. Again, against the Nauskins. And it's kind of just this resignation on his face as if to say, for Christ's sake, I have to go through this fight again and get the knife through my heart. What I love is the fight is brilliant. And when he gets the knife through the heart and he starts laughing, it's brilliant. But when it comes back to the present day and he's still laughing. And I, when I met Jonathan Frakes at Comic-Con a couple of years ago, I said this to him. I said the best Riker smile that you, that you get is in this episode when Picard starts coming around and Riker just has this wonderful smile on his face when he looks down at Picard that Picard isn't dead, but it's just it's it's a wonderful wonderful end to the episode. It's a great kind of moral of kind of you know he like he is the man he is because of the decisions he made and that's who he wants to be even if it's in death that's the man he has to be like. Um. It's so, I think I've said this before, um, Tapestry is one of those episodes, if I'm ever feeling in any way like I need a bit of a kick up the backside or a bit of a boost of motivation, I find Tapestry, I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful life done by Star Trek. Um, yes. And it's really good. It's, you know, it's the road's not taken and, you know, take the risk because you never know what life could be like if you don't. And I love it for that episode. So yeah, that's a fantastic choice. I, I really love Tapestry. Now you're up next. What do you have? Uh, the death of Jadzia Dax. Um, I just think that it's great to see Ducat really <laughs> making a bit of an impact. Uh, no, not at all, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, Going to bring things all the way back to the original series. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, Spock was about to, you know, have himself imprisoned and locked away forever because he's just, uh, you know, killed his captain. 
And then mm. his captain walks out and says, well, don't you think you better speak to me about that? And he grabs him and says, Jim, Jim! And everyone just, it's very little said. McCoy is beaming, <laughs> smiling, and Kirk is beaming, smiling. It is agreeable to see you again, Captain. And it is uh, it's just, what more could you want? And it's season two as well. So we didn't know these characters as well as we know them. Now, obviously, I wasn't alive. But the people who were watching it at the time, they didn't know the characters. They knew Spock, Mr. Logician, Kirk, the Captain, McCoy is going to slag somebody off. And then episode and the, one of season two, they, they deliver this. And it's just, oh, chef's and, kiss. And the funny thing is that, like, as much as Leonard Nimoy, you know, wanted to protect the character and think that and the interpretation character had to be right, it's still bang on that even, like, a slip of a moment to let this emotion out and then just the way to try and compose it. It works so well within the context of the character and it's bloody price. The smile on his face and how quickly he lets it go when he realizes McCoy is, is watching. <laughs> It's just uh, oh my god i have to watch that again that's actually hilarious uh it's just it's just so up, uplifting and nice what is your next one sir we are motoring through these what is your next one sir well like we said like some of it's just like a moment a little yeah. scene because you know it doesn't have to be a whole episode in the way that trials and tribulations is and things like that sometimes it's just my this one is going to be a slightly odd one but it's just it's a brilliant it's a brilliant line from Captain Picard, and it's just it would nearly actually reduce you to tears, but it's 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 excellent. Um, it's from the episode The Bonding from season three. I think I know the a line already. Yeah. And it's um when Jeremy Jeremy Astor is being is being told that his mother is dead and his father is dead as well. I think he's got relative I think he's relatives on earth, or maybe he doesn't on earth, and he the just kind of something, yeah. Yeah, so my dad, and then you know. And he just kind of says, you know, like, I'm all alone. And then Picard just kneels down and kind of holds his hand. And he says, on the Starship Enterprise, no one is alone. And he repeats it. He says, no one. It's absolutely, it's heartbreaking. It's brilliant. But it's so reassuring at the same time. Like, Yeah. No, it, it is lovely. Yes, I can be a big cynical so-and-so and be like, ah, Jeremy Astor. Remember him? Worf doesn't. <laughs> but joking aside, it is a beautiful scene. And so is... The, the the bonding ceremony at the end it is it's it's lovely it's an entire episode this is what season four no season three, three sorry of next yeah. gen and you know so yeah next gen was you know we were secure enough that we we're probably going to get a season four at this point yes but they did a whole episode about grief yeah i mean that was a risk and it's, and it's really 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 well done as well like yeah it is like they, they manage to they do what started just so what is they take the fantastical and they tell you a story of life where they just use aliens and they use technology but you know it's it can be assigned to so many different things yes i yeah bonding is a good one it's a little bit of what again one of those underrated ones an incredibly important episode because a certain ronald d moore came on the writing staff with that episode that's right he's, he's but again as we said this is the thing with Star Trek, isn't it like you can have an episode that might kind of be heavy-handed but you'll still just get a moment out of nowhere that'll be just it's just it's 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 brilliant it's 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 kind of so powerful and how it can make you kind of feel kind of good about something yeah no i i yeah i agree uh my my next moment is klingon related right and it's not it's not a comedy moment by any means it's actually it's, it's quite a serious scene but yes. the scene itself has passed into such parody at this stage that I can never not burst into the biggest smile. 
and it's season five, episode one, Apocalypse Now. Uh, not Apocalypse Now, Apocalypse Rising, sorry. Um, <laughs> and, wait a second, that's not the name of the episode. Yeah, it's the longest it's, episode. Francis Ford Coppola came on board to direct it. It was amazing. It, it's it's just, when, uh, when Worf gets up and he says, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. That's what I mean, I tell you, it was, it was a bold decision, but I'm glad they went with it. No, it's when Cisco's about to get his medal and you have Gowron with the crazy eyes going, glory to you and your house. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it is totally supposed to be a serious scene, but it's passed into such ridicule since then. Lo- loving ridicule. Like I, I will say, it's all good natured stuff that it's just, I just, that just made, I was only watching it there today going, I love that scene. I realized we're supposed to be like, this is a serious scene about the assassination of the chancellor. Of the, I was like, glory to you and your house. The man has four eyelids that just continue to open. And his head actually tilts between the glory to you uh, and your house and the way he's like Robert O'Reilly's kind of eyes are brilliant. There's actually a really funny scene in that as well when Ducat comes into the infirmary and he starts seeing all of them like Klingons and then Cisco comes forward and he says, what's wrong, Ducat? Haven't you seen a Klingon before? And then Ducat just starts smiling and nodding and then Cisco has this manic laugh. Uh, <laughs> it's bloody brilliant. It's again... DS9 have such kind of just wonderful little things like that that they're just throwing and it'll just make you really kind of make you kind of laugh about it. Like actually on DS9, then we have to pick the visitor. There's no way you could leave the visitor out of a list like this. Like from it especially hurts. it hurts. Yeah, it does, but the end is brilliant. The end is absolutely it's it's astonishing because you watch the whole episode and you think that the whole thing is to try and save Cisco. Like, sorry. Ben Cisco. Ben Cisco, yeah. And in the end, like it's not about that. It's about Jake needing his father when he was younger. And like I love the fact that the episode ends fast and there's not this big, long, complicated thing. Like it's just, you know, he's with the older, the older Jake. The older Jake dies and he's back on the defiant. He quickly, you know, gets out of the way of the power co- the the jolt of electricity. And he's hugging Jake, and your know, Jake says, "Are you okay?" Like, and Cisco says, "You know, I am now." No, uh, that it's so one. It's, yeah, I actually yeah. even talking about it, I'm nearly in tears because the last time it was on the. I think I said this to you before. If I was introducing Star Trek to anybody, this is the episode I'd show. Like, I showed my partner this, and she loved it. And I remember at the end, she was there going, "Are you crying over there?" And I was there, "Yes, I absolutely am crying because it is a it is a, it's a tearjerker at the end, but it makes you feel good at the same time." It is because, again, because obviously Jake and Ben are reunited. Um, I don't, I don't ever catch myself mourning old Jake. I'm just no. so happy for Jake overall, yes. young and old. Um, yeah, that's. I actually, I wondered about the name because it is heartwarming, but it's heartbreaking. But yes. it is heartwarming. Yeah. You're right. Um, and as you said, then like you know, it's just kind of. Do you know what I saw? I was finding weird. Do you remember when you were younger and you used to have buy these episodes on VHS and you'd sure. kind of you'd watch it and you'd watch you know this and then like it ends and you're going, oh my God, there's such a powerful ending. And the next episode starts and that's it's all forgotten about. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That was last week. <laughs> we're yeah. on to a new yeah. story now. It's only because if you if you if say there there's there's a list somewhere in you know the characters who only remember these things that happened to like Picard inner light, Jake yeah. or no, Ben Cisco, the visitor. Uh, yeah. things like that is this the, the trauma that these people are carrying on their show if, if, technically Picard all good things which leads me into my very next choice which is 
the card game in All Good Things. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, you were that's always a, welcome, Captain. Do you know what's a, like, it's, that's brilliant. And it, but like, I know this all about positivity. Do you want know the heartbreaker from that scene? And it's, it's literally one second. It's at the very end, after the Enterprise flies off into, yeah. the, into the distance. There's a scene just at the end between that and the end credits. There's a, a silence for one second. And it breaks my heart every time because it's the end of the next generation. It's the end of our adventures on the weekly adventures on the ship. And then the music oh. starts and the music is normal. And it's a normal thing. And I'm kind of there going, no, this isn't normal. This is the end of the greatest bloody television show ever made. And I always find it weird. I always kind of, I think if I'm right, when Cheers ended, um, they did different music for the final episode, for the final ending. Mm. So I, whenever I watch All Good Things, I hate that silence at the very end, just as it, it, it lasts for a second, but it always kind of gets to me because when the music starts at the end, it just feels like this is just a normal episode. And they're going, no, it's not. It's more than that. This was so much more than all of it. I know, yeah, sorry. I eulogize about All Good Things a lot. And I'm going to bring up another quick scene from All Good Things. I love when um, uh, they work out the static warp shell is the solution. And it comes back into the present. And uh, Data is saying to Picard, Captain, I have a suggestion. Yeah. If we go to the, if we go to Central Nominee and create and Picard takes over a static warp shell, it could do whatever. And Data's kind of looking at him in shock. And then Picard says, Mr. Data, you're a clever man. In any time frame. <laughs> Sir, so I had no idea. You were so well-versed in warp uh, <laughs> theories. I have some friends who are... Oh, it's so the whole thing is so good. Uh, and there's one problem. There's one glaringly large problem with what all good it? things. And the writers have acknowledged this and they're just like, shut up, we know, we're sorry. Yes. Three different tachyon beams from three yes. different time periods from three different enterprise... Nope. No... That one's not an enterprise. That one is the pastor. I even picked up on that when I was younger because I was also like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense. Um, I'm going to jump actually into an episode of Voyager, would you believe? I would believe. But I, we have, well, you would because we already were, were at Voyager with the swarm. Um, I'm going to pick Timeless. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty. Okay. Which, uh, which scene? Oh, the, the last, in my head now, but which the last scene uh, on the Delta flyer when Harry Kim is trying to, you know, put in the correct coordinates. And I love the fact that kind of, you know, in the, in it, he's a man racked with guilt and like, he believes he's a fault and all that kind of thing. And, you know, the seven's optical thing, Majiggy fails or whatever it was. And the doctor gives him his power supply and the doctor is kind of there, basically like, come on, you can do this. Like you can save the past and all that kind of thing. And it's just brilliant because, you know, the, you know, the Delta Flyer is about to be destroyed and all that. And it's just, the music is excellent. And Harry Kim is just typing like crazy to try and send the signal and at the last second. Obviously it's always the last second. It goes true. And then the Delta Flyer blows up. It's, it's a brilliant scene. I really, I, I, I've always enjoyed that. I thought it was an excellent scene. There's actually, so you've no idea, I had, I have another Voyager lined up, but you've reminded me of one from Timeless. The very start, Seven's pissed. I thought it was right. hilarious. <laughs> uh, it was like, you know, kind of, Seven, you're, you're, oh God, that was 0. 0.05. Uh, well, you know, we, we are not used to this. Well, the Borg clearly can't hold their liquor. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> you have always looked after me. We are as one. We are as one. 
<laughs> I love it. Jerry Ryan's comedic timing was so underused on the show, which was so good. But no, my, I, I, the ultimate tearjerker, much, much more so than Endgame, is Pathfinder. Oh, yes. That scene, the end of Pathfinder, when Starfleet and Jane, uh, Jane Wake, but Voyager make uh, first, like instant contact. They had sent messages, but make first instant contact through the Midas array. Yeah. And it's seconds long. And there's two bits. One is Janeway's very last thing of keep a docking bay open for us. Never fails. Yeah. But a little bit of a holdover from the visitor, right? So you have the whole Jake and Cisco. The whole point of the visitor is Jake and Ben, right? It's that mm. father-son relationship. And they have quite a good father-son relationship. Tom and his father do not have a good relationship. And yes. we know this all the way through that, you know, there had, there was an issue and, you know, kind of, so when Admiral Paris says, um, you know, how are you all, right up, <laughs> yeah, how are you all, I, I want to get this right, you know, you know, how are you holding your ship crew? You know, we're all good. Your son included. And of course it's written, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil, the man is just incredible. And he doesn't say a word. It's all over his face and it's mm. perfect. And, you know, you know, he just heard that and he goes, tell him, tell him I love him. Tell him I'm proud of him. And she goes, he heard you, Admiral. And I just like these two massive golf balls at the side of my throat. That's the lump in my throat, you know? Oh, my God. Uh, that scene, because it is so heartwarming and it is so uplifting, even though it's absolutely heart wrenching, but not yes. in a sad way. Correct. Yeah. And that's, uh, and again, that's the beauty of so many of these scenes that you might say something and it looks like it's from a, 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 a tough episode to watch, but there's this wonderful moment of decency, humanity within it that makes you feel so much better. Like, yeah. are you crying there, Sean? I, I, I actually, as I was talking, I, I felt it a little bit. I did. I did. Now <laughs> I, I've, I've a couple more show. Do you, have, do you have any more left for us? I've got one, two, I've three in total left. What do you, oh, how many do you have? Uh, I have one, but I'll come up with another two. Because um, <laughs> uh, there's enough. Um, all right, I'm going to give you Measure of a Man, but not the speech. Would you believe it? Not the speech from The Next Generation's Measure of a Man. Is it the Even ready though... room scene? Negative. <gasps> okay. The ready room scene? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. no. I, I, now I want to know your one, and I'll explain that after. I'm curious. Okay, so my one is Measure of a Man, the very end. I love the fact that at the end of the episode, there's a celebration on the holodeck uh, for, you know, Data and all that. But uh, Riker's in the observation lounge. And Riker and Data kind of says to him, you know, are you going to come along? And Riker says, I don't deserve to be there. And then Riker explains, you know, I nearly won. Like, I nearly just proved you were a bloody robot. And then, again, this is how cool Star Trek is, that it'll smack you with the logic. And it's so obvious. And then Data says, he says, you know, basically, you, you know, if you, didn't if you didn't represent the other side, they would have summarily ruled against me and I would have been basically condemned. And Riker says, well, yeah. And he says, that action injured you and saved me. I was just there going, oh my God, it's genius. It's so well. Because like we have said things like every, you know, certain episodes end and it's not discussed again. Measure of Man could have ended and it could have left all that out. It didn't need to put it in, but they did, and they rationalized it so bloody brilliantly 
that and it may and yo Riker completely understands and he believes it as well and it's excellent it's such a wonderful ending to a wonderful episode now what right. was your ready room scene from here well I was wondering because it's not exactly heartwarming but it's when <laughs> Picard and Data are speaking about you know the trial that's coming up and basically Data kind of basically kind of calls because uh, I, I, I can't remember the exact wording of it but they're sitting on the couch yeah and Picard is talking and you know uh, trying to make sure they both understand what's going on and Data says something about so by that logic I'm the same but different and Picard mm. basically has nothing to say I'm it's it, Picard is obviously not speaking against Data here but Picard has nothing to say and he just goes dismissed it's all he has it's not a heartwarming scene but it's a really it's like Measure Man it's just one of those scenes it's just like kind of like or one of those episodes like scene after scene <clears throat> after scene after scene um we will have to do a rewatch of Measure of a Man, so that's yes. I can remember that. Moving what swiftly along. Swiftly hang on a second. Along, the episode with Lol is that called? No, that's not called the Child. That's called um. That's the Offspring. The offspring. Close enough. There's yeah. a great, there's a great line in that after Picard sees Lol for the first time, and he's absolutely furious, and he's walking down the corridor with Troy, and Troy's trying to rationalize to him. <laughs> Picard's line of, "I hardly consider a five foot android." Uh, with heuristic learning and the strength of 10 men, a child. <laughs> it's just so Picard in one go, like, and he's just uh, no time for this nonsense at all. I was like, oh, less of this. No, you're right. Oh, oh that's brilliant as well. I, I didn't realize this much later that Jonathan Frakes, I think, directed the episode. He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah this first and, uh, directed, yeah. Uh, and got himself a case out of it. So, you know. He wonder, certainly did. What are your intentions with my daughter? Um... I am going to mention the show that has not yet been mentioned this evening, and that is Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, yes. Carbon Creek. I'd nearly say the whole episode, but so many scenes in that episode stand out for me. Yeah. But the revelation at the end, when T'Pol goes back to her quarters and she takes her Big grandmother's girl. purse out yeah. from underneath the bed. Because I love Carbon Creek. Carbon Creek is probably my favorite episode of Enterprise. Um <laughs> Because it's a it's very unique nice. episode, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah, it really is. There's there's no real stakes in it at all. Like, yeah, and that's it. There, it's just like you know, the only stakes, if you like, is that Mistral needs to make sure that the never one ever finds his body. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, other than that, you know, you have references to I Love Lucy. You have the whole romance going on. It was not the first example of, but it was an example of no Vulcans can have relationships. They only go through Ponfar once every seven years they can choose to have relationships though yes they can yeah strange um, enough you you say that and that was actually i read that in the um in that in the original series um retrospective book that you and i had when it was only released hmm. recently and they discussed and they said the misinterpretation is that they only have you know relations once every seven years they're going no they have to do that once every seven years but in in the middle they can do whatever however much they want imagine like Never mind Spock putting in his holiday request, but imagine being Trek 09 now. Imagine being Uhura going, listen, uh, Captain, I have to take next week off. Uh, uh, hello, we're heading into Romulan space. We're going to need you. It's like, you don't understand. I'm going to be bow-legged by the end of the week. Uh, so look, I'll do what I can. I've made my choice when I fell in love with Spock. Um, sorry, that was slightly more adult than I meant it to be. But anyway, uh, show quickly. What's your next one? Sorry, I, I, I because anytime 
Panfire is discussed, I'm going to always bring up the Simpsons reference in the episode where Lisa joins Mensa and yes, Learned Elders take over the, the town. And the Learned Elders are setting out their vision for Springfield's future. And comic book guy comes up in his next generation uniform and he says, taking my cue from the most logical beings in the galaxy, the Vulcans, mating will be restricted to once every seven years. For many of you, that'll be much, much less. For me, it'll be much, much more. And then a few seconds later after Dr. Hibbert says something about his IQ or whatever it is, and comic book guy says his and it's a bigger number, it just says in the Star Trek original series team, I am smart, much smarter than you, Hibbert. Hibbert. brilliant it's absolutely class um right back to me voyager year of hell um i there's a there's a wonderful scene not just that when janeway destroys voyager and all that i love the scene on the time ship um and anorax realizes that the ship has been destroyed and he's raw he runs back into his um into his ready room and it's done in slow motion and the lock of his wife's hair falls off the uh, off the off the desk. What are you looking at me like that for? This I'm looking cool. at you this way. Remember, this is heartwarming moments. This is kind it, of like remember my death of Jadzia no, no, Dax no. moment. It, no, no, it is, it is because what happens is, is that when the thing falls and it hits the ground and the glass breaks and the piece of hair disappears, and he realizes that he is the thing that's prevented her being brought back to life. And he realizes then in that moment that basically he's going home. He's going home to his wife. Everything is actually going to be okay. Even though he's the bad guy for the whole episode, this one moment is kind of him going, my God, it was me, but I'm going home now to the right place. I think, again, I know it's not good to use as a bad guy, but I thought I, that's, that's, it, it's really well done because it's, it's done in slow motion as well, because I think you need slow motion for just a realization on his face to realize I'm the problem, but I'm going home now. I get you. No, I do. I get you. There, because no, again, that, la- no, cause that last no, scene. No, you, you between don't. An- totally don't give me. <laughs> well, just because your point was crap. So, no, uh, great point. It's logically proven. <laughs> so, the end of the episode, the villain has absolutely everything torn away from him, <laughs> and then his ship is destroyed. It's wonderful. It's, uh, it is. It's class. It's but he, but he's going home, Sean, and everyone he, whose lives he's destroyed will now be brought back to life because of that. Although the episode kind of ends really weird because it shows him with his wife and he's still doing the time calculations. They're going, wait a second. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, no. The only thing that's changed is the Voyager's not involved in it anymore. Otherwise. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I've okay. got two more from the same episode. What do you got? The same episode. All right, Grant. Well, I'm going to bring in again so that it has not yet been discussed, which is Star Trek Discovery. Yes. And I'm going to talk about the end of season two. Yes. So the battle with control has to yes. happen. You know, the Enterprise has just had a big chunk taken out of itself. And then they start to fly off into the wormhole. And it's such a visual callback to the motion picture. Mm-hmm. And you have all of the really extended echoey shots going on. And it's just, I mean, like, it, 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 frankly, the whole scene from the, well, all of see, uh, episode two of Such Feet Sorrow, to be honest, the Klingons arrive at the cleave ship, Discovery goes through the wormhole, Enterprise in space dock, and then Enterprise warping off and Spock walks out in his clean shaven and his uniform. I have to say, I bloody love all that. I just think it's really, yep, that's that's my, that's my the Star Trek I want from Discovery. Uh, and I thankfully, I, I thought season three kept a kind of a light tone going. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed all of those. 
actually, just as you bring it up, I, I, I think we brought it up before. I think we actually brought it up last week. But at the start of If Memory Serves from the oh, second yes. season, where they show all the stuff from the cage as it was, and then it transitions into and Simone's Captain Pike. It's brilliant. It, it, it's real heartwarmer just to have seen all the originals, you know, the, the pilot from the cage, all that stuff in it and all that. Now, I'm going to go into my final choice, which is TNG second season, which is peak performance. What were you going to interrupt me with there? Did you say you had two left? Two within one episode. Oh, both of you. Sorry. Sorry. With you. Go, go, go. Yes. So peak performance, if you remember Battle Games with the... Yes, the Hathaway. You have to wait. That's correct. The I I one thing I love in this is that when they're getting ready to start the war games and Picard goes on the screen and he says, you know, the hunt begins, number one. And then Riker says, uh, we're ready. And then he just says this line and he has the brilliant Riker smile because the, the Riker smile is the best thing in the whole wide world. And he says, just remember Enterprise, Captain Riker's never lost. And it's like, oh, it's so cool. It's just it's the absolute arrogance of the man the total confidence in that i'm in a garbage ship and i'm still going to beat you and it's brilliant and it's it's pure riker in every because like when you think of it when we discuss season one now next week like the original idea for the character was very stoic and very kind of you know not kind of emotional kind of thing and it had to go and like when you see this it's just the pure confidence of the man he's so it's it's brilliant i love it but and I'm going to end with my final one. It's probably one of my f- favorite scenes in all of Star Trek. Of course, it's it's excellent. I think we discussed this before. Is when Data is suffering his crisis of confidence and he talks to Dr. Pulaski and that doesn't work. Talk to Troy, it doesn't work. And then they go to Picard and they basically are going, look, you've got to sort this out. And the scene with Picard and Data is absolutely brilliant. It's Picard going into his quarters. He's no time for this nonsense whatsoever. And Data's trying to get him with the whole, you know, I you know I lost the game of Stratagema. I don't know what the problem is. I might make another mistake. And Picard's just there going, so what? That doesn't change your duty to me or to the ship. And he basically says, you know how to formulate a premise? And uh, yes, and Picard says, you know, formulate this. How do I deal with Commander Riker in the Hathaway? And he says, I'll await your answer on the bridge. And he just get ready to storm out. But basically, I'm done with this. But he turns back to Data, and it's just, it's an immortal line, and it's bloody brilliant. And he just says to Data, he says, Commander, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. And he said, that is not a weakness, that is life. And it's excellent. It's so well, bloody well done. It's 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 one of the easiest, one of my favorite quotes in all of Star Trek. It's, it's, it's so well delivered by Patrick Stewart. The whole scene is just, it's so expertly delivered by Picard. Just <laughs> how he's able to cut through the nonsense and just get straight mm-hmm. to the point and then just get data. And, and it works because from the logic of the episode, it works because he completes as data. Yes, you can make a mistake, but it's not the end of your life. It is. And it's, it's a fantastic lesson. Um, right, so I'm getting the last word. All right. Well, yes. then I'm going to cheat and put two scenes in, but it's from the same episode and they lead that's into each did. other. That's, uh, that's literally what I just did. <laughs> right. The episode is You Are Cordially Invited. Um, and Ooh, the yes. first the first of the two scenes, well, you can guess what the second scene is. So the first yes, of the two yes, scenes yes. is on the path to Calhaya. There yes. is a lot of suffering. Yeah, it's Klingon bachelor party. Use your imagination. And it's O'Brien and Bashir hanging, manacled over burning coals. And Bashir goes to O'Brien, Miles, it's working. I've had a vision. He says, oh, Miles, oh, what is it? I've seen it so clearly. 
I'm gonna kill Worf. I'm gonna kill him. And then Miles goes, kill Worf, kill Worf. And then so later on, the actual wedding ceremony is beautiful and it's wonderful, and I smile every single time. Uh, but I'm always distracted by the fact that you've got Bashir and O'Brien there with their their sticks Things, ready yeah. to beat the absolute tar out of Worf as soon as they are given the go-ahead by Martok, and I just love it. And it's, it's, it's so funny, isn't it? Because Martok just basically tells the two lads to go and they run and the episode ends. Ah! You, can hear the, you can hear the sound. <laughs> so, Sean, that was a random collection of just positive things we've seen in Star Trek because, again, as we said, Star Trek episode was a bit of negativity around. So we do hope that if you've been listening to us that this has brought some enjoyment to you, some, some scenes you might have remembered, some scenes you might have forgotten, or some that you haven't revisited in quite a time. I'm going to go off now and watch some of the scenes that Sean has recommended because they're bloody hilarious. But otherwise, Sean, is there anything else you want to add before we finish up? Thank you everyone so much for listening. We love you all so much and you are our uplifting moments. That's just lovely. I can't add anything more to that other than we're going to be discussing Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 next week, which is going to be the most uplifting season of all of Star Trek. Isn't that right, Sean? That is true. I did find it really odd that you campaigned so hard to discuss Code of Honor, but hey, you do you, man. Um, So yeah, we will see you all next week and we love you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.